Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you leading-edge astrology conversations through a journey of soul growth patterns connecting astrology's energetic cycles. Get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. Hello, this is September and it's the 19th. And we're going to have Cosmic Collaboration panel today. And we're going to talk, and this is Sue Rose Minahan. Hi, I'm your host of this weekly Leading Edge Astrology Conversations. And thank you so much for subscribing and connecting with us again. Our topic today is about Pluto squares Eris. It's There's five of these squares from last year to this year. The last one, or the fourth one, was the 27th of August, and then fifth and final exact square in cardinal signs, and I'll give you that, will be on October 9th. So there's been a conversation last week with Planet Buzz, and next week we're going to have one with Daniel Feverson, an evolutionary astrologer and author who is also connecting this tremendous energy in a whole nother fashion. But so it's such a big topic that really it, it allows us to bring in many angles. The last time it happened in these signs was BC. And it's alluded to have been when Plato and other great consciousnesses were transforming our whole thought patterns. And essentially we could be saying that we're in this time zone where it's not just the one individual story, but it's many episodes that's leading towards some other direction. And, you know, in the middle of the stream, it's a little hard to know where the bends are going, right? You're just going down the river. So here we are. And so in other words, it's what we have or what's the questions now? It is in cardinal signs. It is 23, 24 degrees of, and it's since last year and this year. Eris has 140, uh, a long, a long uh, uh, orbit. It's, it takes 558 years to go around the sun. Pluto, 258. They're both out there. They're both dwarf planets, as it is recognized, of spiritual nature, the furthest it gets out. Very transformation. Transform, transformative. Thank you, Sue. <laughs> and... Eris, therefore, is in Aries, that's E-R-I-S, as a planet, a goddess. The goddess of chaos is called because she's a truth teller. And her truth breaks up the pattern. We'll talk a lot about that. Of our consciousness, like, is that really what we were thinking? We'll find out more about that later. And Capricorn, as we know, has its 16-year stay in, uh, I mean, Pluto is in Capricorn. And it's at 24 degrees right now. This relates also Eris, the mythology to the Trojan War. Now that was BC. That was about 60 years. And it was 1260 BC. And it comes up closer to the common era of 1180. And it involves this goddess. And we'll probably talk about that more too. She crashed a party, threw out a question world's never been the same there was the trojan war and i think oh 
yes, so much to say, but hey, let's let cosmic collaboration talk. Now it's time for cosmic collaboration. Investigating the deeper archetypal questions related to understanding astrological energetic aspects for growth patterns to unify mind, body, spirit, and emotions, this is your Cosmic Collaboration Panel. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, host of Talk Cosmos, an evolutionary astrologer and consultant, plus a certified color energy coach. I explore creative expression as an artist, a musician, and write abundantly, stories to poetry. I love investigating mythology's language, philosophizing eternity, and I'm a perpetual student of life, seeing oneness of body, spirit of people, animals, and nature. I'm Susie Kerr-Wright, astrologer, certified psychic medium, tarot reader, life coach, and Reiki master. I love to bring what I call cosmic common sense to the world through private sessions as well as all types of media. My work has been published in Chewy.com, Brides Magazine, Good Housekeeping, Cosmopolitan, Elle, Bustle, and more. And I'm a regular guest on Today in Nashville. I've had my own radio shows, and I was the weekly on-air astrologer for WSCA-FM. And I love to teach astrology and psychic development. And I'm Amanda Pierce, a soul-centered astrologer, astrological consultant, and empowerment-based meditation teacher. I have a BA in psychology, I'm a wellness enthusiast with a passion for healthy eating, and I enjoy creating new realities and shifting old paradigms. And like the Sufi poet Rumi says, you are the entire ocean in a drop. Well, hello once again, Susie and Amanda. It's so good to reconnect with our monthly conversations, leading edge conversations, top cosmos. Good to be yeah. here. Yep. Good to be here. Thanks. Indeed. As we're all rushing around as Mercury before its shadow next week on the 26th, <laughs> Hash, hashtagging a million thoughts. Oh my gosh. You know, Eris, the great goddess of discord and truth teller. I listened to Julie, Julie Jasimus back, who's a cosmic intelligent agency in January talking about this. And I love how she said it creates a pathway through layers of renewal. That it's this transformation of the new self emerging. And she also brought up, you know, watch the midpoints, which I, because reading notes is always tricky, right? Like, okay, that's what I was saying um, about this last one on the 27th, which I didn't quite, but there's a lot happening. There's been a lot happening since 2020 with so many energies, but yet we are, I would say layers of renewal, but I love that idea. That it's a pathway through, we, you know, it can be a long pathway. The forest could be big, right? <laughs> yeah. Eris is um, bringing forward things that we need to see in order to heal really. So it's, it's a gift, but it can be a painful one. And you can see that out in the world. It's, it's a bit chaotic these days. That is so beautiful. <laughs> it leads right into, I think, Put it mildly. Susie wants, yeah, Susie wants to talk about, which, but we were talking about is that there's consciousness levels because a lot of what she, Eris has been attributed to is the discord, which is the unconscious level. And it's even been said that's the discord within us, right? And therefore, if we can get through to the higher uh, um, spiritual 
being, of being the truth teller. Susie, you wanted to talk about shadows, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, you know, been banging the drum for years about our shadow side and, you know, how a lot of what we're seeing today is the outward manifestation of, and I've said this on the show before, the, the unwillingness or the inability to deal with one shadow is that's, you know, we're, we're, there's just, it, it's like, it's, it's got free range out there right now. And, you know, and the other thing too, with Eris, I'm, I thank you guys again for, um, picking this topic because I really don't use Eris, but I will be using Eris now a lot. Like these dwarf planets and transplutonians or whatever, you know, whatever they're trans, I don't know, whatever they call those. I, I'm like, I'm yeah. basic. Yeah. Transneptunians. I'm like, you know, basic astrology. Like that's my jam, but like, it is really cool to be discovering the power in these things. And especially this one, this one really, you know, of course, as we discover, you know, this was discovered in what, 2003 or five, something like 2005, that. 2005, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was 2003 um, as, that she was discovered, but named in 2005. Yeah. And okay. as they yeah. get discovered, we really begin to see that energy like embrace. So one of the things that struck me though, is, you know, as the power of a, the power of a question, right. You know, as a life coach, I get the power of a question, you know? And so, um, but I was also thinking about, you know, the, the fact that is the way she asked, um, you know, we'll, I guess we'll be talking about whether it was intentional or not. But when you think about the great thinkers, you were talking about how, you know, the, the last time uh, it was in a cardinal sign, I guess, the great thinkers were, were emerging. And what happens to people who pose these questions? They're shunned. They're, they make people uncomfortable. They have to find their own way to gather and, and, and flesh out these new ideas and these new thoughts until they really become an accepted part of the collective. So this is, you know, for me, that's kind of what I'm thinking we are now is in that space of like, we're not sure, we're not sure what these, what any of these questions mean yet you know and and we're just in that space of trying to flesh it all out and and it you know it's it's becoming very difficult to um to share ideas you know constructively so it's it's more important than ever that we keep asking that we you know um it, i just keep flashing to like i don't know if this is related to it but it, it just kind of reminds me of how you know, as a medium, I've, I've been to Lilydale and all that, how those great thinkers, those great minds, those people that wanted to share those ideas that, that, you know, they didn't all agree on everything, but they would come to this place. And that's how Lilydale became what it is. And the spirituals church came to be what it is, is because they needed a space where they could safely discuss ideas and concepts and these great philosophical, you know, premises and, and all that theories. So anyways, that's, that's what came up for me. I was kind of like, yeah, you know, hey, yay, Eris, come on. Yeah, it, yeah, Eris has a lot to do with exclusion and just the the rage over being excluded and uh, the whole the whole the core mythology around Eris is because she's excluded from a party, and so she rolls that golden apple into the party and to kind of show everybody um, that really kind of like the underbelly of what's going on. It was a way to kind of say, okay, well, you guys are not really all that great. You're not better than me. And it kind of, it was a way to say, 
to try it was a wake-up call really for people to to kind of take a look at, at their stuff and it was all it all started with that exclusion so i really see um like Eris in Aries is it's like how how does being self first lead you to be excluded or to exclude in your own life so this these are some of the themes like on a personal level uh that we may be dealing with where are we being excluded or alternatively how are we excluding others and these are great themes i want to tie a couple of thoughts together this is just fabulous about the power of a question um, to flesh out how to be constructive and the exclusion dealing with the shadow because it has been said that what we exclude within ourselves is part of Eris, that she represents that part. I want to tell a little bit about the story and I also just want to give the dates to people about when she is in Aries because it was 1922 until 2044. So that's like 122, 123 years. So we still have her in Aries, I mean, Aries for a considerable length of time. And in the Greek mythology, we wonder, it has not been said, who is Helen? Helen happens to be one of the twins with Castor and Pollux, the Gemini twins. In mythology, there's a lot of mortality, divinity, and gods, because there is this interaction between the nature and our cosmos of, 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 of greater being, the force is greater than us, however we want to now interpret this here in our land of thought that we think of. And this is the big divide, really, in a sense, trying to translate some of these ideas down. But in that story... Helen uh, was not always Helen of Troy. She was Helen of Sparta. She had been married to the king of Sparta. And this wedding was actually for a king, another mortal king, and a nymph who in some stories could have been Thetis, the creator of the world. And again, we realize that as the way I'm seeing it, that through time and what's left as, as records, thought changed. First of all, people died, right? And other people were conquered. And so there was a lot of changing around and retelling these stories in the framework that worked for them. But there are remnants of the initial truths of these languages. So my point being, back to Helen a little bit, is that of she had a sister also, Clemestra, who was mortal. So in other words, this Helen uh, uh, married is 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 part of this greater forces of destiny you might call that was going to occur because there would be a decision Zeus the great king of all made this man Paris the decider okay who is the fairest and and they have Roman and Greek names. I will give them the Roman names, so not to get too complicated here, although I'd prefer to say the Greek, but Juno of, of, of alliances, his wife was going to give power. Pallas Athena of wisdom, of strategy, was going to give uh, 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 wisdom. And, and uh, Athena, not Athena, but Venus, Aphrodite was going to give love. Well, he chose love, meaning that he wanted to get the most beautiful woman in the world, which happened to be uh, Helen. Okay, 
back to this other story, and, and I'm, I hope this isn't confusing too much, but what fascinates me is that this wedding had nothing to do with any of these people. It had to do with this other king and Thetis that were going to get married because they end up having Achilles, like the Achilles heel. It's a whole other drama. But the point was is that he's the greatest warrior of the Trojan War. So it was like, is this fate or what or something? In other words, it's like a whole consciousness of change. That's really the bottom line to look at in order to understand that we're dealing with larger pictures. Like Amanda was bringing up the fact of when these were in, I haven't been able to find the chart, although all these conversations of other people bring it up, but at when Plato was around, which was about, um, there was this whole axial era, BC, from 800 to 200, but it was closer into that because we have Confucius, we have um, Buddha, Lao Lao Tzu, around five, six hundred, and then we have the Greek that all during that time changed our whole consciousness. Okay, so throwing the threads back to you guys, um, it, it is where, it is that shadow part of us and the inclusion part and the questions. So it's a growth process on this spiritual soul path that we're doing maybe we could talk about love if it is love do we understand love i mean why did paris choose love the judgment of paris with aphrodite i don't think it's the same love that we think of now it's like so many layers like in and i'm going on just a tiny bit here thomas moore in care for the soul talks about love as this broader vision not just our relationships it's our soul growth. And there well, was a pause. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Ahead. I'm trying to think of what can I say about love. <laughs> well, because none of this feels very loving. It doesn't. It, it just doesn't. I don't get it either. And and so, and we were talking about this the other day, and that was where I just, I, I kind of like, I'm not sure I understand. I, I, I guess the ultimate you know, the ultimate goal, of course, is everything is to, you know, to get to that divine love. But when we're just talking about it, we're talking about about inclusion. What about inclusion? Isn't that part of love? Yeah. 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 And shadow. Let's go back there then. Okay. Thank you for trying to pull in the thread, which I asked you to do. You're both just marvelous. (laughs) And that is because by us dividing... Uh-huh. I I have two questions. So and and you know this may be maybe silly, but what what was the apple like? I, you know what I'm saying? It, like what's what does that symbolize? Um, you know, it, it was interesting because I I made that connection to like Snow White. You know, because it's like she rolled she threw this apple into the whole mix and asked who was the fairest one, and that's where that choice was made that that set off all of this. You know, all of the chaos. Um, but and and that you know snow white um kind of sort of and so so i'm i'm just i'm just wondering like what that piece had to do with it and then also you know we had that discussion about whether it was intentional or not you know i mean was she divi- so highly divinely guided that she that she just you know intuitively blurted this st- 
you know, seemingly dumb thing out at that time? Or was she intentionally angry because she had a history of being, you know, shunned from other events as well? But it's both. Uh, Just on a quick note on that, it is a conscious level and the unconscious level, because I think one can interpret that's true. And and she is often interpreted as a very chaotic, um, disruptive, intentional person. And we can say that with any of our archetypes, that there's these levels that that exist. I mean, to, to say that they don't is not accurate, but it's that inconvenient truth. That is what there is a level of truth that is on a wholesome, on a broader scale that is maybe the unconditional love that we think of 12th house and the cosmos with, you know, but it's, it's like, why is it there to begin with? Is to maybe, let's go back to the inclusion idea, the shadow, the fragmentation. I think that one of you was bringing up earlier when we were just chatting before. Um. I don't remember if I said anything about inclusion. Uh, Susie maybe Susie did. Um, Susie, if you have something to say, otherwise I'll... I don't want to hear what you have to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So, yeah, I have, I have a different... I have a view of Eris where the lower expression and the, and the higher expression, like she knows what she's doing. She knows that that rolling this golden apple in and she and to be clear at least the the myth that i know she never asks a question she writes on the apple to the fairest and she rolls it in that's right and it's just like it's just like ticking over domino and like everything falls to the ground kind of thing and but in the lower expression and higher expression i see her as being very aware of what she's doing and the higher expression doesn't mean like that that's a bad thing. It's just, it's being able to draw attention to whatever is, whatever conflict or issue or, or shadow piece that we're not willing to look at and being Good. able to, to, to really bring that into view, but doing it in a balanced way. I really in my view, I see Eris as being um, kind of somewhere between Aries and Libra. Like she's really much on that Aries Libra scale, and and she was discovered at being in Aries. She her discovery chart has an Aries ascendant and an Aries North Node, which means that she's got a Libra South Node, and so there's a lot of extreme in the Aries energy. Uh, also in her discovery chart, she's got Venus conjunct Pluto, conjunct Mercury. So a lot of extreme there. And and Sue, like you were saying, it's that truth teller energy, bringing the truth forward. I see it more as bringing the truth forward as opposed to truth telling. Like she's not necessarily saying it. She may be saying it in a way, a roundabout way that brings yeah. it forward and then promotes that that truth telling uh, to come forward, but it's again that that Aries Libra and doing it in a a higher expression would be finding that balance so that you're not going too far to extremes because it's so easy to go to extremes with Aries. It's so easy to fall into that rage. It's one of those harder <laughs> archetypes to really master. You know, it reminds me of um, 
full moon people, people born in full moons, like they don't ever really have to say anything to bring out a certain side of you. They tend to bring the shadow out in people, mm. people's shadows. And, and so, um, you know, a, a extreme way of describing it is like people may not like them and they really don't know why you know they're but it's just really being about them. themselves right right it's just yeah. they're just being them and the and the things that they say they may not say anything directly like you do this thing and i don't like it or you know you do this thing and it's not nice it's like they it, it they just by osmosis or just by being around them you know you can it they illuminate your shadow to an extent and so um so it's you know they're um very interesting people to be around well this is i know you know it's not exactly eris but it's that it's a similar kind of energy and for purpose that in that axis a x i s for our listeners because eris is e r i s um that the purpose, one of the purposes is to see oneself within the other and to differentiate and, you know, all, all of this. That is a major factor of it. Well, it does get, bring to me questions that we might say when we return. We have a couple of minutes here. Uh, what's the global wake up? Because these questions that promote our inner discord, what are, th- that are bringing in our society now? And what we might experience with Pluto and Eris conflicting energies, because, you know, in a square for astrologers and others, it's 90 degrees. And it, a cardinal, of course, is an action-oriented sign, not to be confused with the fixed and the mutable. So it wants some results. So in other words, what are we experiencing with those conflicting energies that might regenerate through some kind of truth-telling? It's um, because we certainly see a lot of discord and chaos. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to say about that. I will hold off until the break so that we don't get too far <laughs> into. No, yeah, we can think about it. I will say it is such a pleasure. And for our audience, I, this is Cosmic Collaboration. We meet monthly and have these wonderful leading edge conversations. And I'm with Amanda Pierce of Washington and Susie Carewright of Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm Sue Rose Minahan here in Kailua Kona on the big island and we're talking about this amazing energy that's sort of in the backdrop it's like the scene that's burbling between Eris the outer planet and Pluto an outer planet where Pluto is making this confrontational wake up (laughs) so we'll snooze for a moment we'll be right back take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the yin period of Virgo. By leaving a cycle based on the creative manifested legacy of our highest creative form, the energy of Virgo completes the last sign below the horizon of the self and requires discernment to perfect oneself through the mental process of critical analysis. 
As a mutable earth sign, duly ruled by Mercury, Virgo refines, heals, or fixes through daily routines, developing skills and services to control nature's chaos and maximize efficiency. Old world travelers never began a journey without a compass. And today, smart travelers won't leave home without a map or GPS to navigate the journey ahead. But when it comes to your journey through life, how do you get your guidance? By aligning numerology and astrology's wisdom. Combining numerology with astrology offers a great spectrum of insightful meaning for your personal yearly, monthly, and daily numbers. And to help you navigate these numbers to discover your best daily route, numerologist Liz Muschette, along with Gloria Riley, an Egyptian numerologist, and intuitive consultant Jenny L. Sinclair, have co-authored the book, Gateways to Change 2018 and Beyond, Keys to Navigating the Seas of Life Using Numerology and Astrology. In addition to the book, Liz is also hosting a Gateways to Change workshop this fall, which complements the book to guide you to your life's journey and explore how to use the resources offered in the book. Copies of the Gateways to Change are included in the registration fee. The Gateways to Change book is now available to order on Amazon. And to register for the workshop, you can contact Liz at her website, alightpath.com, or send her an email at liz, L-I-Z, muschette, M-U-S-C-H-E-T-T, at gmail.com. Let Liz be your compass as you continue your journey here on Earth. Cosmos brings you leading-edge astrological conversations with hour-long programs each week on KKNW. The show goes live every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on Facebook and YouTube, along with daily chats throughout the week on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel. While you're there, make sure you click like and subscribe buttons so you can get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or... If you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. So grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha and enjoy the show. Greetings. This is Ben Mabry, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness consciousness, and superconsciousness. An alternative to everything else on your radio dial. Alternative Talk, 1150. Oh, hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited. This is Sue Rose Minahan, Cosmic Collaboration with Amanda Pierce and Susie Care Wright. And nothing like a little break to just power through. We got a response. If you listen, you can text us and... um, it, we can see it. We don't know how to respond, though. And one of our wonderful friends and who has been on the show, uh, John Luke of Seattle, Washington, uh, he was on early in uh, 2018 when we opened. So you can go back and hear John and myself speak. And he brought in the information I was trying to remember because the apple was not always the apple. The John, I mean, not the John. The apple was an apricot. And, you know, 
I am listening to the Uplander, which is like, oh my goodness, my husband is, and I'm trying not to, but how can one not? And of course, one of the women kills her husband with the apricot. So it's kind of an interesting thought, you know, the apricot seed and the apricot, so divine. I loved them in Washington. Anyway, that's a whole thought that is a tangent. But um, thank you, John, so, that you're always such a wealth of information. Yes, do subscribe, <laughs> subscribe. We, we miss you. And um, so, but it's what I was thinking of is the, again, the raising unheard voices. That's one of the big inclusions that's happening today. And it's going to be this forward motion that we don't know where it's going from, along with other things like the virus and whatnot. Uh huh. But, oh, and hold that because also if people have their, uh, the years from 1945 to 1984, where you have six degrees to 15 degrees Aries is the natal population today. But if you have degrees anywhere near 24, which again could be like, do the math, like six degrees, five degrees before and six after, all the way up to the end of Aries and down to about 1920 Aries, you're being, or, or Cancer, Capricorn, and uh, Taurus, things are ha working, happening for you. Okay, back to uh, one of you has inclusion, voices, yes. Amanda, I think I saw oh, you. Oh, um, well, inclusion, okay, so <laughs> I guess when I, when I was thinking about, um, the Aris-Pluto square. So we've got Aris in Aries, which is all about the individual and what is our identity. And that is conflicting with Pluto in, um, in Capricorn. And Capricorn's all about what are the societal norms? What, how, how our society works? How is it functioning? Pluto is breaking that down, but of course there is backlash from it. And so there's there's some power over happening around our societal structures. And so Eris is fighting with that. And you can see that in um, the racial disparities and injustices that are coming forward for, for us, at least in the United States. Um, and you can see it with uh, different gender normatives and what, what is acceptable for gender. Like these things are are coming forward, uh, I think in part because of the heiress transit. And even the, if you look at when the Black Lives Matter movement really started to take hold, it was in May of 2020. And this was when, this was mm. just over two weeks before the second heiress Pluto square perfected. So it's like, this is all kind of coming up like, this is, these people have been excluded and they're tired of it and they've got a lot of rage. You know, I was looking at, um, Stephen Forrest did a great blog on this, on, on Eris and everything that's happening related to COVID and all that. But one line that really jumped out at me that, that really goes along with that is he said to him, uh, the, the meaning of the Pluto Eris square 
is that our collective addiction to our separation from each other has create is reached critical mass. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, that's it. It's we we've hit this point where, um, you know. <laughs> Everybody, everybody wants to be heard and nobody's being heard. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. You know? And, 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 and the, the, how it ties in to, for me to this whole concept of like going back to the way back in history where the great minds were waking up. It's like people the, over the last several you know, dozen years or so, whatever, we have been exposed to things like basic concepts that were always available to us, but never were for one reason or another. Like, you know, because, I mean, if you want to get into like the being, you know, people being kept down or whatever, kept in the dark, things like the secret, just a law of attraction and things like that. And our own self-awareness, like, you know, when in history do people, I mean, I don't, I don't know, maybe there were times, but, you know, I, I can't recall any time where people were, were so self-aware, you know, and maybe that self-awareness has just come to this head, you know, where people are, people are questioning everything, everything. And there's, it's like, there's nothing taboo anymore, you know, but mm. there's this whole element that is still rallying against that. I mean, there's massive amounts of censorship going on out there. That's insane. Like I never thought I would see that, that sort of thing in, in this lifetime. And I don't care what spectrum you're on. Censorship is never good because, you know, who is it to say what you can look at, read, how you can express yourself. It doesn't matter. That is not a good thing. And so, so the, you know, this is all like, it just feels like this is all part of that, that whole cosmic soup of, you know, like where, you know, what is, where, where are we all going with this? What, what do we need to do to, um, for us in, in our, in our own worlds to, um, flow into this energy instead of just being tossed around by the chaos, the dis discord, you know, of Eris and Pluto. Yeah. It seems that, part of it would find a commonality and then there's responsibility which is the other side of capricorn you know is that ethics that sense of responsibility that um, i have a, like ho'oponopono the hawaiian um, legendary mm. uh, teachings say that we're all somehow back to the beginning of time very possibly affected your people somewhere of my people so they have the famous four that's being reduced like the hermetic code you know it's reduced yeah. to i love you i'm sorry please sorry, forgive, please me. forgive me. me thank you and it's for, please forgive me not forgive yeah. you but forgive me and i'm so it's in that intention and and i'm thinking the earth the earth is a good place to start to realize that we have some commonality and all this, regardless of what we, we need to come together at some point to really take care of our planets because we've got all of this like fighting going on and it's not helping the cause, which in the big picture, we've really, we need this planet to survive. Yeah. <laughs> <It's all> distraction. 
But, yeah, you know, a lot of distractions. Separation, you know, it's like that. You know, it, it's hit. I just love it. It's hit critical mass. That that separation, and and so when the pendulum swings one way, it's got to come back the other way at some point. It's got to start hitting in that direction. Yeah, I think by by accepting that rejected part of ourselves, realizing that that there are oh, there's so many things to realize, and sometimes I really well, obviously, if if you go back to the mythology, there was a great war. In other words, this wasn't just on the table. Gee, I'll take four cards and take. You know, there wasn't a negotiation. It had to get down to, to real uh, dissent. And we don't, and I'm not suggesting in any ways, shape or form that I have any idea what the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years will bring out. But I, I, it is where we fight over the truth. Yeah. And yeah. so I think if maybe in the teachings because we can only do what we can do is by helping people realize their own part of their this reflection that going back to like we were saying the Libra Aries uh, relationships of self versus other and in partnerships with everybody. Yeah, one of the um, one of the ways I, I think that we can work with with Eris is to at least on our in our personal lives is to kind of allow space for others to be in their humanity and because we're all we're all a mess you know I mean we all got our stuff and so it's how can you find that balance to allow others their humanity so that you don't go into that rageful place which and the rage may be um justified but it may not be helpful in in the situation as well so yeah no i was just gonna say it starts you know what i what i've always learned you know i've i've um i know you've uh we were talking a little bit about debbie ford's book the dark side of light chasers you know and working with the shadow and um and it really it it starts so simply with just compassion for our own faults for our own ugliness for the things that we don't like about ourselves it's always about us right it always is it really is that's that personal responsibility so you know that's what you were talking about Mm -hmm. it comes back to like if you know if we if we hate ourselves for doing certain things you know uh, how are we ever going to find patience and understanding and respect and compassion for other people you know we have to keep looking in it's in here here. there's some other key tools i'm noticing one is okay going back to the love factor <laughs> which is what it's all going to come down to anyway yeah, it is. <laughs> and also about choice and that what is it that that choice is really a mars issue aries they make a choice and libra did one of you say this i can't remember because it's only that it's the options all the options are, are the libra you know there's this option and that option it is if we think we have duality Exactly in the day, we have night and and sunshine, daytime and nighttime. So duality, for the very fact is we live on this earth 
granted with because we live in a certain time. Time has separated us. I mean, space has separated us from spacelessness and from timelessness. We're, we're here. And so it's self versus something else. So it's not that it's abnormal, but it's yet so much has been created to be in unequal. I mean, un, it goes back to what you're saying, Susie, really tolerance, tolerance and, and the the very dignity that we're giving, which I think is very Leo, giving to another person. It seems like, Amanda, you and I talked about dignity one time. Back we on did, yeah. Talk Cosmos early also, which well, I might remind. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Susan. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, to Amanda's point, tolerance doesn't mean it's okay. It just means yeah. we understand exactly. that exactly. you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You know, it's it, there's there um, an expression came to mind that I, I heard in a twelve step program. It's terminal uniqueness. That mm. is the that is the means to a pretty nasty end. You know, and um, and mm. and a, a lot of um, think about it. It just those two words, terminal uniqueness. Yeah, so, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we have to. It doesn't mean we have to not be, you know, we can only be who we are. You know, we can only be ourselves. You know, one more thing about love. This is also beautiful. And I thank you not to just to have my audience realize I'm not ignoring. I'm just building on another inspired thought here to tie this in because that's what we're living, you know, we're doing. And that is, is that love. I was reading from Thomas More in The Care of the Soul is eternally young and it's self-renewing. There's a, a factor of love in that it, there's like the gaps. It's not all rosy. We tend to think that if it's not rosy, we're doing something wrong, which I think, Susie, you were mentioning that people come to oneself or Amanda, you do psychology, that people, you know, that they think we do. We think, oh, my gosh, how am I going to make this perfect? But the fact is, is that it's in those that love also relates to the soul. It's it's really what it is that, that builds and elevates us because in the gaps of it and the pain of it, we need to embrace, we see through it. We see, we elevate, we, we gain that, well, ideally, not just revenge, not just, you know, tit for tat and all those sort of things that we've learned to not learn. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. You, you, you kind of brought up the idea of, of perfection without using that word. Um, and which of course relates to Virgo. And when I went through and I looked at all of the squares, the charts, all five charts to look for what, what kind of themes came up and in all of them, except the last one, there is a, uh, either a Venus or a Mars connection to Neptune. And so Neptune, when, when we think of Neptune, it's like our hopes and dreams, but it's also where there are illusions. And when it falls away, it's that disillusionment. So like if the apple is rolled in to a situation that you're in and it enlightens you, you can be very disillusioned. It's very, I mean, that is like one of the the more challenging experiences. And so the first square Venus conjunct Neptune and I brought up Virgo because Neptune is in Pisces right now. And so it's on that Virgo Pisces um, continuum. 
So first square, Venus conjunct Neptune. Second square, Neptune conjunct Mars. Third square, actually, Neptune is not contacting Venus or Mars, but it squares the nodes and it squares the sun. So there's still that that Neptune energy. The fourth square is... Which is August, yeah. Yeah, just August 28th um, was Mars in Virgo opposing Neptune and Mercury in Virgo opposing Neptune. And this fifth square, there's, there's are no hard aspects to Neptune. So it's like, we're going through this Neptune journey and of disillusionment of having things. We have these hopes and dreams of how we want things to be uh, and, and having them dash to some degree and just going through this process where we have to go through this so that we can get to a better place. This exactly brings up a line that I wanted to read, but it didn't have the context. Now it does. This is Thomas More again talking about his love chapter. And he also brings up a lot because um, I think um, Plato wrote about symposium and there's other, other about love. But what he was saying that there's something self-renewing in love, like the goddess of Greece, that's Venus or Aphrodite. And we have to remember that Aphrodite was born from her father, uh, Uranus, in an attempt to stop the timelessness and, and to have Saturn come along. I mean, in other words, he was castrated. And he, that stopped because he's further out and then uh, Saturn took over the, the next planet of rules, regulation, everything. And she came in on the ocean. Well, Poseidon, Neptune raised her. The ocean raised her. It's so indigenous. And then, of course, you have Venus and Mars that are the great cosmic lovers of this eternal um, youth. But it says, like the goddess of Greece, able to renew its virginity, it's in that sense of like newness, virginity and maidenhood, because the virgin back then, too, was the maiden. It wasn't necessarily all our context that we've come to think of it, like with the Puritans, in a bath of forgetfulness. And that's what I wanted to bring up, because Neptune, Pisces, mm-hmm. is so much where we don't always remember. Uh, yeah. 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 And, and virgin just really means purity. I mean, that's, yeah, that was exactly. the original purification. Good. That was the original call. definition. Yeah. So it's always manifesting, but something, yes, Susie, what is it? No, no I was just going to say, um, one of the things that, um, another thing that, that I learned about Eris is that um, people that have it hard aspected in their charts will tend to go through what's, what's known as the dark night of the soul <laughs> more, you know, sometimes more than once in their life. And um, yeah, I can totally relate to that. And haven't we all been going through collectively, collectively. like a dark night of the soul? I mean, yes. th- these have been challenged a, cu- a, ch- a couple challenging years. Absolutely. And this really just this this Eris Pluto square really just started um, right before the pandemic showed up. Let me tell yeah. people when the dates are. And uh, this is from Solar Fire, which is a software. But January 26, 2020, now that's a year and a half ago, just before, just when we were learning about COVID and all. Then it was June 14th, 2020, just before the solstice. And what we're talking about just um, after that date that 
in May that I can't even now remember what that was. What was that in May that was you brought up? Oh, um, the Black Lives Matter. Yes, 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 mm -hmm. of course, with George Floyd and all the uh, necessity to recalibrate. And, and we're, there's other dramas going on, but this is a real one of the wheels in the cog of the so important. It's like the main backdrop of everything. So then just last December, just before the Great Conjunction, December 11th, there was a third one. And of course, they begin direct and then they go retrograde, then they go direct. This last one on August, and so that was 2020. There was like eight months, nine months until August 28th when the fourth one, which was in retrograde, and we're still in this retrograde, enormous eight energies we have Jupiter, and this was mentioned last week. So if people want to know, listen to Planet Buzz too. Um, but it was Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, plus Eris, Pallas, and Chiron. They're all retrograde right now. Uh, several of them will start going forward in a month, but and the last one is going to be on uh, October 9th. So yes, Eris is like the harbinger of collective consciousness. And and one other thing, Sue, about those those transit dates is that because Pluto and Eris are so slow moving, they will be within a five degree orb of each other through until November 2024. So there, I mean, we're still like in this energy. It's not going to be exact, but we're still going to be working through some of these dynamics which of course that's just how it always goes yeah and, Next, and well okay. you know oh, oh go ahead well oh, I, I was, was yeah. <laughs> all right finish i want to say one other thing so uh eris is she's not done with her transits she in 2024 she's going to be conjunct chiron and then in 2027 she'll be conjunct saturn so, oh, you know, we've yeah. got some big Eris stuff coming up. That's well. our wounds, our healing and our wounds, or the alchemy of it with Chiron. That's wonderful. And maybe we will get to some new point of a collective consciousness that has some kind of ethos, you know, with Saturn. Saturn has that. Everything we have to remember is the shadow. You can't, we can't see if we didn't have shadow. You know, if everything was just, that's what makes when you yeah. do art contrast. Susie, what was your point? I want to say something too. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say it's like, you know, the 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 thing that I just feel, you know, this it's it's where we're continually confronted by things, and so we can't. We, and 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 I think a lot of people have been kind of holding out, hoping like this would just pass, and we can't unsee what we've seen at this point. There has been a right. mass awakening, a mass consciousness shift, and so so you know, it, the sooner we stop trying to hide from ourselves, the easier this is going to be. And the there'll more be a I, nuts. thank you. Now we have a minute, and I will say thank you, Susie Carewright, Nashville, Tennessee. Amanda Pierce of Seattle, Washington, Sue Rose Minahan. And it, find both Amanda and Susie on the website if you want to get in touch. Do subscribe. And I want to say that next week, Daniel Ferguson is going to be talking about Eris, Pluto and Eris that he's been also talking about since 2012. And it's going to be about 1775 that possibly we've already had our Pluto returns and the last one will be about Christmas Eve. So it's a whole other context of how Eris steps into this 
and Pluto, because we could have, if that's a fact, we've already had our Pluto returns. And it's because it was when we bared arms to fight um, the war with England and uh, Willis, uh, uh, J Jim Willis of cartography said, this is a true natal chart. So more wake up calls, more information. And thank you. We love our audience and appreciate getting in touch with us. Till again, thank you. Thank you for joining us on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests connect soul growth patterns with the energetic cycles of astrology. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific time to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway. 